Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I'm Drew Shelley, one of the pastors here. It is our hope and prayer that the message you hear today will help you connect deeply with the love of God we know in Jesus. Also, we'd love to connect with you so that we can share life and faith together. If you'd like more information about this church family, or if you want us to contact you, you can visit our website, fumcm.org, or you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at FUMC Borough. If you're looking for a place to belong, we have that place for you in one of our classes or small groups, as a part of one of our mission teams, or in either our modern or traditional worship services, which both meet at 1015 on Sunday mornings. First United Methodist Church is a warm and welcoming community of people committed to the idea of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know Him, love Him, and serve Him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. We hope this week's message helps you in your own personal journey towards knowing, loving, and serving Jesus in your life. Our New Testament lesson this morning is from Paul's letter to the Colossians. We uh, are in the first chapter, the 11th verse through the 19th verse. Let's hear the word of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible And invisible, whether thrones or dominions or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Just take a moment and rest in these beautiful words from Paul. They are soaring. If you linger long enough, they will change your heart. I read them to Shannon on Monday. She said, isn't it amazing how much God loves us? It is. It absolutely is. It is also amazing 
how hard it was to be a Christian in the first century when this letter was written. You see, all these cities to whom many of the New Testament letters were written had gods and goddesses of all kinds. Life was built around worshiping the gods, worshiping the emperor who was like a god, and and reveling in the philosophies of the day, which tried to make sense of this Greco-Roman pantheon of religions. It tried to put it all together. Here's how it worked practically. People sincerely believed that a city's fortunes rose and fell on the whims of the gods and the emperor. You had to keep them happy. You had to pay tribute. You had to worship them. You had to do whatever they expected you to do. And if you did, the city would be blessed. All would be well. If you did not, bad things would happen. Very bad things. You introduce Jesus into this mix and things get complicated. You see, the Christians claim that Jesus is the image of the one true God. How many? One, the one true God. The Christians say he's the son of God. That's also what the emperor is called, so that gets tough. Jesus' followers, you see, were not permitted to run after these other gods, and people noticed when they stopped showing up for Friday night festivities at the temple. It would kind of go like this. Hey, where were you Friday night? We had a big time at the Apollos temple. Good food, good speaker, good drink, and a few hours of debauchery to give thanks to Apollos. Uh, We missed you. You're always the life of the party. We really missed having you there. Where were you? Well... We're following Jesus now. The one true God can't really do that stuff anymore. That isn't what God wants for us. It's, it's really a way of life that's hurting people. It's hurting you. It was hurting me. I'd love for you to come to supper tomorrow night and hear about Jesus. A fellow named Paul has written a letter. It'll be read aloud. We'll have bread and wine. We'll tell some jokes. We'll wash your feet. And then we won't have any debauchery at all. <laughs> To follow Jesus in that time was to be called out of the normal communal religious practices of the day. And those normal religious practices were woven so tightly together into the economy and into the politics of the day that they were part and parcel of life in the ancient world. You could not, you could not easily hide your newfound allegiance to the one true God because it meant that you had to stop showing up for all the other gods, and people noticed. People noticed quickly. As long as the fortunes of the city prospered, people were content to just let you be, to just leave you alone. If you want to do that, that's fine. But the moment something bad happened in that community, folks went looking for who had made the gods unhappy. Guess who they found? Guess who they found? These Christians who won't play the game anymore. That's who they found. Now, this is really important as we think about Colossae because it was a city that used to be big stuff. They really used to be big stuff. Decades ago, it was a leading city in the empire. Only now, the plant has closed. 
the mine is shut, jobs have dried up, and people are left wondering why their beautiful city has fallen out of favor with the gods. My goodness, it's located right in the middle of the Lycus River Valley, the most beautiful place you could be, and still, still nobody is prospering. The future looks bleak. Who, who is to blame for what has happened to our city? What about these 45 Christians in three house churches? What about them? (laughs) Communities don't go into decline overnight because of 45 people, but you know how people are. Logic gets thrown out the window the moment somebody says, ever since Epaphras came back from Ephesus and stirred up these people about Jesus, the gods have not been happy. This is all their fault. Their gospel, their gospel is a plague on our community. Boycott happens next. You know how this goes. That store is owned by a Christian. We won't shop at that store anymore. That school teacher, well, I think he's a Christian. Let's pull our kids out of his class. We don't want some sort of negative influence on our children. Let's pull him out of, pull them out of his class. And what about that doctor over there? Why, she's a great doctor, but she was seen going into one of these house churches. She'll not have any patients to see anymore. They'll all soon have all the time in the world to do their little mission work because they'll not have any paying customers for their work, for their business. They'll not have jobs in short order. It's not long until Emperor Nero is burning Christians at the stake for his nighttime festivities around his palaces. Why? Because he blames them for the financial ruin of the empire. Let's not look at Nero or at Caligula or at the politicians of the day and how they were spending the Roman Empire into oblivion. Oh, no, let's not look there. Let's instead look at the Christians. It's surely their fault because they have made the gods unhappy. It's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. But this is what what it was like to be a follower of Jesus in the first century. Now, you would imagine... Just imagine inviting somebody to church in this environment. How would that go to invite your coworker to church in that kind of an environment? I sure wish you'd come to church with me next week. We meet at Ben's house at 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. You have to come under cover of darkness, but we sure have a good time. I wish you'd join me. We'll have some worship. We'll read some scriptures. We'll eat some food together. And uh, we're going to try to just understand what God wants us to do to live out the gospel this week. Now, just so you know, if you decide to come, when people people find out that you have been to church with me, uh, they will probably shun you, they won't hire you, they won't trade with you, and they will lose all respect for you. But I hope you'll come anyway. Also, a lot of time, a lot of time we're called to embrace the suffering that is happening all around us, suffering caused by a broken culture, a broken culture that values money, power, and self over people. The people in power tend to not like us. The emperor hates us. He cannot stand us. So uh, he thinks we're the reason that he's having so much trouble lately. So you'll need to watch out for police, for false accusations, for random assassins, and for poison in your sweet tea at the McDonald's drive-thru if you've got a fish on the back of your car. You'll need to watch out for those things, but I hope you'll come next Tuesday night to worship at 7 o'clock. It's so fun. It's so fun. We have great coffee and donuts. It's just wonderful. 
by your third month, by your third month with us, you will probably be in financial ruin. And the rest of your family may have disowned you if you have decided that Jesus is your king. If you have decided that Jesus is your king, not the emperor. These are the beginnings of the church of Jesus Christ. The beginnings. It begs the question that Paul answers in our text, who in the world, who in the world is this Jesus that people would give up literally everything, everything to call him their king? Who is this Jesus? Oh my. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or dominions or rulers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things, all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus is God in human flesh. Jesus is the first and the last. Jesus is the fullness of the one true God. If we dare to worship him, to put our whole trust in his grace, to call him our king, we are caught up with him in the inheritance of the saints in the light. We are caught up with him in this work of bringing hope to this tired old world. It is new creation, and it strikes fear in the hearts of all who lean on those old broken weapons of oppression and fear and control and death. We laugh in the face of despair, joyfully giving thanks to the one, to the one who strengthens us with his glorious power as we endure with a hopeful patience that daily gives birth to God's good work in this world through our crazy and messy lives. So I ask you who worship Jesus, you who call him your king, if this is who Jesus is, how then shall we live? How then shall we live? As those wrapped in our security blankets of comfort and success and the hope of a peaceful retirement, never, never, never. We live as agents of God's new creation, finding suffering, pain, brokenness, and pouring out our lives in the direction of hope until all is well for everybody, everybody. We have no king but Jesus. We have no kingdom 
but the one in which the God of love declares that everybody, everybody matters to God and to us, that everybody will have what they need to flourish, to live. We have no king but Jesus, and we will storm the gates of hell by his side until it's empty, until it is empty, and the whole world is set ablaze with the hope of God's love. Is that how you are living your life? It can be. You are God's beloved children being made whole by God's grace. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have been given a family, a name, forgiveness, and hope. He will rescue the whole world. He is going to use you to do it. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how much God loves us and them too? Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you that you call us out into your light to live as agents of grace, that because of who you are, we know who we are. We are your children. Lord, we try and try and try, and we don't often get it right, but what you care is that we try. And so, oh God, today we give our hearts to you again, and we pray for your grace and your courage. Set us ablaze with your love that the whole world might see it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. May the people of God say, Amen.